So I'm going to just give a little bit of a recap of where we were. I realized when I looked at the passage that I was given that the last passage previous was actually the one I spoke on. So we've taken quite a break because I was before my vacation. <laughs> so we've had quite a break from the book of John. So I just wanted to remind us of where we are. And so Jesus had been um, arrested. Peter denied Christ three times. And Jesus had been brought before the high priest. And I want you to remember that this is during Passover week. And so the city is full of people. Yeah. People from the neighboring regions have come in to celebrate the Passover. To celebrate that God has delivered them. And so ironically, while celebrating this Passover and looking forward to their coming Messiah, the Jewish leaders had within their very custody the one to be their deliverer. Their deliverer had come in Jesus, the Son of God, and yet they couldn't see the truth. So instead, they were doing everything they could, conspiring, trying to kill the very one who was meant to be their deliverer. So I want you to open up to John chapter 18, verse 28 to 40. John 18. I think the screen is in NIV, but I will be reading from the ESV version. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by, by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. <coughs> so I want to share a little bit of extra historical insight I don't often go to extra sources beyond scripture, but I was doing a little bit of reading um, by the man, uh, man named Josephus, who is a historic, a Jewish historian. And I found out there's some actually interesting history that helps us understand today's passage in a little bit better light. So we know that Pilate was a Roman governor over the region of Judea. 
And Rome was the governing power at that time, yet they also allowed the Jewish people a, a, quite a certain amount of freedom. But Pilate typically lived in his palace in Caesarea. But because of what was going on, the Passover week, the, the festivities, the feast in Jerusalem, he also had to come to Jerusalem because it was his role as a governor to keep the peace. And so he came with his, with his soldiers along with them to make a presence in the city to keep the peace. Because the Passover did provide the potential for political uprisings. And the threat of insurrection was very real. So they had to show their presence in the city of Jerusalem during this time. Interestingly, at the same time, Pilate's role was to keep the peace. But he was also one who had been known for causing strife and for stirring up uh, dissent, or not dissension, but just stirring up trouble within the city of Jerusalem with the Jews. Because he didn't respect their customs. He didn't respect their ways. And there was, a, there was a custom of the Roman governors that when they would come into a city carrying their standard, which had an uh, image of Caesar, the emperor, or it had a, a Roman eagle on it, they, would, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't carry it in. They would respect the Jews. They would come in, but they wouldn't display um, their emperor. But he didn't care. And he would just come in. He would bring different things, that, and he would proudly put it on display. And this would cause... Uh, quarrels and an uprising within the Jews. And so at one point, Herod, he was a neighboring Roman emperor. And so he sent word to Tiberius, who was the, or he was a, Herod, sorry, was a Roman governor over another area. And he sent word to the emperor, Tiberius, because he was the boss over Pilate. And so Herod sent word and he said, Pilate is not, he's not respecting the Jews. This is what he's doing. And so Pilate gets a letter, probably a letter. He gets a word, a warning from the emperor saying your, your role is to keep the peace. Stop disrespecting the Jewish customs. Because you see, his job was actually at stake. The emperor had the authority to remove him from his position. And he wasn't doing what he was actually supposed to be doing. So this history can actually give us a little bit of insight as we move on in our passage today. Now we talked a number of times that John has a point in everything that he recorded in his gospel. Every story that he chose has a point. There's a reason why he picked it. And I don't know if any of you remember the one verse in John, we actually haven't gotten there yet, but I think both Cliff and I have mentioned it. The reason to why he picked the stories that he picked. And it's John 20 verse 31 and he says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So when John wrote his stories, I'm writing all of these so that you may believe. I want you to see the heart of God. I want you to see Christ, that he is one who represents Christ. I want you to see his heart. I want you to see his compassion. I want you to see how he heals, how he touches, so that you can believe in God and have life. Everything he wanted to have a testimony. And you know what, when I was reading this, I thought of this book that my grandfather wrote. I actually have not even taken the time to read it until this week I started looking through it. But he wrote this book on memoirs of his life. And so he picks and chooses stories 
What is he going to leave in? What's he going to leave out? But as I was reading through, he had a number of stories of being in the First World War. But how does he end that? He ended it with giving glory to God. He ended it with saying, if it was not for my faith in Christ and the prayers of my family at home, I would have lost heart and given up. So he told all of the stories so that he could testify of God's sustaining grace in his life. And so that's the stories that John has picked so that he can testify to the true identity of Jesus Christ. He would have had hundreds of stories he could have chosen from. So today we're going to try to see what was he trying to communicate in this passage. We're not going to take a look at the whole interaction between Pilate and Jesus. We only have a portion of it. But we're going to try to see within that portion what was John trying to communicate with us. So one of the things that we can notice is that John included more dialogue between Pilate and Jesus than any of the other Gospels did. He made a point of recording this extended conversation about Jesus being the king, about revealing his identity as king and the kingdom of God. Remember, right from the beginning, John was all about bearing witness. So here he uses Christ's own testimony to his kingship to put another approval or another stamp of confirmation upon the truth that Jesus is the son of God. That he is the king, he is the Messiah they had been waiting for. And as we take a step back and look at the whole book of John, we can also see that this isn't the first time that John chose to record an extended conversation with individuals. Christ's authentic care, his heart for individuals can be seen throughout the book of John, no matter their status, no matter their income. No matter their prestige, he had a heart for each and every single one of them. Jesus came to die for the Pharisee named Nicodemus. Jesus ignored the religious and social taboos of the day to offer life to the Samaritan woman. A woman who at that time was considered the lowest of the low. Jesus heals the son of a Jewish official Jesus stopped to heal an invalid when everyone else had forgotten about him. Jesus released from condemnation the woman caught in adultery. He raised his friend back to life. He silenced the greed of one man to receive an extravagant gift from a woman. Jesus washes the feet of his disciple turned betrayer. So in this Gospel of John, we can see that Jesus cared for the individuals and he cared for the masses. He cared for the Jews, he cared for the Gentiles. And as I began to read this story in light of who Jesus is, a question crossed my mind. I don't know if any of you know this story in greater depth because of the other Gospels, but we would know from Matthew that God gave Pilate's wife a dream. And in this dream, Pilate is sitting upon the judgment seat, thinking about the verdict that he's going to render about Christ, and in comes a message from his wife. And the message says, have nothing to do with this righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in my dream. 
And I thought, why would God give her a dream? A dream that revealed Christ's innocence. Because it was actually God's plan to have Christ die by crucifixion, which could only be done through the Romans with Pilate's approval. So why would he give her this dream of Christ's innocence? We could even say that this move on God's part could actually potentially sabotage his plan. What's he doing? Except that God's plan includes his desire for all men and women to be saved. So was God giving Pilate an opportunity to see the truth? Wow. Was he giving his wife an opportunity to see the truth? Verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? And when I read this verse, the first day I opened this passage to begin studying it, when, it's, when Jesus said, do you say this of your own accord? It was like I saw this picture of the whole, all this confusion and chaos around them. It was like everything just got shut out. The world around them grew quiet. And I just saw this compassionate heart of Jesus standing before Pilate, asking him, have you had a revelation of me? Have you had this of your own accord where someone else told you? And I saw this heart for Pilate that I had never read before in this passage. I never saw it before. It's like Jesus was setting aside the horror of his own moment to engage with the heart, with a heart who needed to know the truth of the kingdom. You see, what I love about Christ is he had counted the cost. Yes, he did. So that no matter what state he was in, no matter what he had to face, he was still on mission for the heart of men and women. Even to the point of his death on the cross, where he could save the man hanging next to him. The Lord's been challenging me this week. It started out Tuesday. Even before I even, well, I was trying to get to my message and I couldn't get there. I was in my office for 11 hours on Tuesday and I had not a single word written. But the Lord was challenging me on a deeper level, in another realm to count the cost. Because if I don't count the cost when I'm in a difficult situation, I'm going to hightail it out of there. I'm not going to remain focused on my mission to bring the gospel into people's lives. That's what Jesus did. But how did Pilate respond? He walked away from the conversation, hearing about the kingdom, hearing about Christ being king, saying to Jesus, what is truth? He wasn't really looking for an answer. He said it and he walked away. He struggled to believe that there was actually any absolute truth. As we look at this communication going on between Pilate and the Jewish leaders, it's like watching a power struggle. Who was really in control? Was Pilate in control by bringing them into this long, drawn-out process going back and forth? 
discussing his innocence, his guilt, back and forth? Or were the Jewish leaders in control through their ability to stir up a riot and cause Pilate to have trouble with Tiberius? Ultimately, God was in control. He reigned over it all. He reigned over every decision. And what took place was a work of his hand. It was a fulfillment of prophecies. It was a fulfillment of how Jesus himself said he would die. As I thought about kind of wrapping up this message and applying it today, I saw this passage showing leaders making decisions based on self-preservation and their own self-interests. We know from Matthew 27 that the Jewish leaders turned Jesus over to Pilate based on their jealousy, their envy. You see, many Jews had started to follow Christ, and that became a threat to their leadership. And so to remain in control in the dark watches of the night, they have Jesus arrested and taken to Pilate while everyone sleeps. And they may have thought that Pilate would have readily agreed upon their request if they portrayed Jesus as a threat to Rome. He wants to be king. If they accuse him, but Pilate saw right through their motives. He discerned their jealousy. And it was actually quite obvious that Pilate was not threatened by who Jesus was. If Pilate did believe that Jesus planned to overthrow the king of Rome, Caesar, he would have actually okayed his crucifixion. But he did not see him to be a threat. And in fact, he didn't even want to have to deal with this. He tried to send them back to the Jewish leaders, you try him by your own law. You know, I thought about the Jewish leaders' self-interest as they looked at their people who began to follow the Messiah. Their heart actually wasn't very concerned that their people were actually starting to come to life, that their people were starting to be healed, that their people were starting to be touched by the living God. That they were actually starting to have life and hope. And then we think about Pilate, and he based his decisions on his need to keep his job, job security. Remember, if he did not keep the peace, he would have been in trouble with Tiberius, the emperor, who had the power to remove him. And so we know from Matthew that Pilate saw that a riot was about to be formed, and so what does he do? He washes his hands with the blood of Christ saying, I'm not responsible for his death. And yet at the same time, he still had to okay the crucifixion. Pilate was backed into this, this corner. He knew the truth of Christ's innocence. And yet to keep his job, he sentenced Christ to death on the cross. So Pilate was all about self-preservation. He chose to please the people instead of fearing the king that he knew was innocent. As I think about how to apply this story to us today, 
I wonder where have we lived out of self-interest, out of self-preservation instead of identifying with our king. I am one who always asks myself questions like this. I like to be challenged. I don't like living stagnant. So I'm always asking myself hard questions. Where have we chosen to surrender to loud opposing voices rather than standing for what we know to be truth? Where have we feared losing our jobs more than declaring allegiance to the king? In what situations have I walked away touched by the cynical nature of society that says there is no absolute truth? Instead of counting the cost, and standing in the absolute truth of the kingdom of God and Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord is inviting us today. Do you see that I'm king? There may be some of you here today who have not surrendered your heart to this king. But there's an invitation. Do you see that I am king? Will you come under my care, under my lordship? And if some of you today want to say yes, we want to talk with you after. We're all, we always have time for prayer. So if there are any of you today, please come see me, see Pastor Cliff, see one of our prayer team. Say, I want to know this Jesus, this King who died to save me from my sins. You know, as I thought about my own life, I think there's, as we come into these places of surrendering, these places of counting the cost, You know, I think there's barriers in some of our destinies that we've put up ourselves because of our own fears, because of our own thoughts of self-preservation, our own thoughts of self-interest. And I feel like God is in this season where he wants to remove wherever we lead, wherever we live from self-interest and self-preservation. Because there's missions he has for us that can only be done in the grace and power and authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to ever get into that realm where this world comes to know him, we're going to have to do away with those self-preservation thoughts where we're only thinking of ourselves. And so there's this invitation today to do that because he wants to take his gospel farther. And reach more and more people. I just, I just had this thought that I just want to actually honor those of you today. I feel like we have champions of the faith in our midst who have counted the cost, who have moved forward in the call of God on their lives, no matter what has come their way. And I just honor you today for that. You know who you are. And I thank you for your heart to serve the King of Kings more than anything else. More than your own heart, more than your own interests. We honor you. Mm -hmm. 
And I pray that your sphere of influence increases and goes beyond your wildest imaginations for his glory. So Lord, I just want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you for you. For all that you did for us. For all that you did so that your glory can reign on this earth. So that your name can be lifted high. And so we celebrate you. We lift you high today. We extol your name as King of kings and Lord of lords. And we receive your life. We believe. Yeah. And we receive that life. The fullness of it. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.